the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome into the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A and a happy Wednesday afternoon. Our phone number is 547-1610. You can hit us up via email at 610K1A.com. The bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. On Twitter, Bottom Line 610, Parlor and Facebook at the Bottom Line 610, and our free mobile app available through the Google Play and the Apple Stores. Robin Ed with you, and Ed, let's just jump right into it. Joining us on the phone um, is a well, a gentleman who I talked to for a little bit through email yesterday, uh, and happy to have him with us today. Scott Brumback, who is with Brumback and Autumn in Union Gap, and Scott was the attorney for Bradshaw Development Incorporated, known through what some may have seen in news reports as Anytime Fitness, Uh, and they successfully this week were able to appeal and have dropped uh, fines that were levied upon them by L&I during the COVID-19 pandemic and during the governor's proclamations and lockdowns. Uh, Mr. Brumback, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate you joining us. You're welcome. Uh, happy to be here. So uh, tell us a little bit, Mr. Brumback, give us a little bit of the history on uh, what happened with Bradshaw Development, with the Anytime Fitness locations. Uh, when did this, when did the first fine, when was the first fines levied? And uh, why was the, what was the impetus for uh, Mr. Bradshaw to decide to appeal? Well, Ellen and I had been tasked with uh, looking for businesses that were alleged to have been uh, open in violation of the governor's proclamations. And so in June and July, um, uh, Anytime Fitness that has four locations in the Yakim area was targeted by Ellen and I and inspected. Uh, inspectors were sent. There was one violation date that was alleged, I think it was June 25th, 2020, and then one in July 15th, I think it was, three different allegations of uh, violations of being open. And, and, and basically, LNI is taking the position that uh, if a business is open when the governor says that you can't be, then that is a per se, essentially, violation of wish if it wishes, uh, you know, Washington um, um, Industrial Safety and Health Act, which falls under LNI's uh, ambit to um, enforce uh, those safety rules and regulations that fall under WISHA. And uh, so they went out, sent inspectors. Uh, actually, the first day that they sent uh, inspectors out, uh, this location uh, in Sela, Washington, was just next to Yakima, small town, um, has a key card entry. A uh, patron was entering the business. LNI inspectors did not have a key card, did not get inspect, uh, uh, permission to offer uh, enter the uh, premises and followed a, a patron through the door, basically gaining uh, access without permission, which they're supposed to do. Um, in fact, uh, a, a business, uh, when confronted with an inspector, may deny entry. That is their right and, and mandate that L&I get a warrant. A lot of businesses don't know that. Now, um, 
Um, so that was a, a problem with respect to that first uh, incident. And the other three incidents, they were really very cursory inspections that were flimsy in terms of factual basis to establish that uh, first that the business was open uh, at each of those three alleged times and that there were any employees that were present. They were never identified. There were never any employees that were identified and so forth. So the state really put forward a flimsy case. Um, and uh, from my perspective, it appeared that they were, it, it was basically a straw man, sort of a uh, bully um, kind of an image that they were putting forward. And that is, we're going to cite you, we're going to intimidate you, and we expect you to fold. And my client, who is a patriot and a uh, not a person who's prone West Bradshaw, not prone to being uh, pushed around like that, uh, decided to get a hold of me, and uh, we fought it. And we had we had many levels of defenses. The first being that they couldn't even prove the very basic elements of the the citations, and that is that the businesses were either open or there were employees that were present. But beyond that, you know, when you're talking about L and I, you have to show that there's some workplace hazard that there's some danger to the employees. And so that was a different uh, aspect of the cases that we were prepared to argue. We didn't even get to those. I had an expert, a Ph.D. immunologist from uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who was prepared to uh, testify that the environment uh, within the, each of those gyms was so clean and so well-maintained and the protocols established, uh, put into place by Anytime Fitness were of such a – uh, a nature that it was safer inside the gyms than outside. And, uh, uh, you know, part of me questions whether the state actually uh, sabotaged their own case, knowing that we were putting on scientific evidence. As you know, when you listen to the governor speak, let's rely on the science is kind of the message that he says. Well, we were fully prepared to rely on the science and uh, show that they could not prove a workplace hazard. Um, and we didn't even get to that uh, that level. They just failed at the very very beginning. So all all of the citations were dis essentially dismissed. Uh, they were not proven. Uh, the judge that we had, um, I've been before him many times. Uh, I don't know anything about his personal life or beliefs or anything uh, like that. But I do know one thing about him, uh, and that he is a principled judge and he will do the right thing. And and I was very confident uh, going into this case just based on that that uh, we had a good shot at winning. Now, Mr. Brumbach, you made mention of the two incidents that happened over the summer, the first one in June. Uh, very interesting in, in the way the judge described and laid that out in his decision. The ones in July were even more intriguing because it was a stop at three of the locations of Anytime Fitness. The, the agent pretty much did the same thing in each one, and the way the judge wrote his decision almost seemed, without him coming out and saying it, that L&I was specifically targeting this business, and he almost seemed to acknowledge that the the citations issued in July had zero credibility to them at all, that, that this looked to be almost an attempt at a sting or an attempt to uh, specifically target Mr. Bradshaw himself and his businesses? I don't know what their motives were, but I can tell their pattern of conduct, uh, you know, uh, certainly appears um, to be one where he was targeted. Uh, obviously, my client was cited four times for almost $40,000, and that was early on. It was the one of the first in the state and certainly one of the heaviest fined uh, businesses in the state. And 
they were making an example of him um, and, and trying to do that. And and so um, their evidence was very flimsy. It wasn't well-developed. And I'm not going to tell them how to try their cases. I used to be a prosecutor for years where the burden was on me to prove the case. In this instance, when when a business is cited, I think one thing to remember is that the, the burden is on the government to prove their case. They can't just walk in there and say, you know, you're cited and therefore you're guilty. You They have to prove their case. And there are ways to do it, you know. And I don't know, uh, you know, down the road if somebody fights these things, how it's going to turn out. A lot will depend on the judge that you have, um, you know, um, uh, and what evidence is developed. I mean, there's, there's certainly ways to do it. But on this case... Um, the first one, I think that they were just hoping that we'd fold and go away. They got confronted with some very powerful medical scientific evidence um, that I don't think that they wanted to deal with. They did not want to tangle with that. And uh, so they're probably searching around for, well, I get calls. I've gotten calls today from people, uh, one in Spokane, for instance, where they're just, you know, the the business uh, tried to, you know, take care of it themselves. And it's, you know, so you've got an attorney general's office prosecuting the case against a business owner who's trying to present a case in front of an administrative law judge. And that's, you know, you're going to have a very tough time winning, frankly. I mean, businesses should uh, probably in certain areas get together with uh, attorneys and figure out a game plan of how they want to deal with it, you know, obviously to be safe. Uh, but not to, to go out of business because the governor uh, proclaims this or that. I mean, um, um, I don't know. There's there's many levels that you could go into on these uh, discussing these kind of cases. Uh, there's no doubt the governor has emergency powers that's been uh, granted to him by statute, and both political parties, the leadership of the Republicans, have been going along and extending his emergency proclamation effects. <clears throat> excuse me for. Uh, you know, for the duration. So this is a bipartisan support that uh, the governor's been getting for his. So, but the key is, if you look at the 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 Slidewaters case out of Wenatchee, that was decided. Oh, I don't know, um, months ago, in federal court, uh, the court basically said that yes, the the governor has these emergency powers, but it's how you apply them. You can't be arbitrary. You can't be uh, unreasonable. It has to be evenly applied, and it has to be equal treatment for all. And that's not been happening. I think that's where, if anybody's going to attack what's going on with L&I or any of these other government agencies that are acting on behalf of the governor and his proclamations, they need to insist that this uh, the application of the, these emergency uh, proclamations is done in a fair and just way. We're talking with Scott Brumback from Brumback and Autumn in Union Gap. Mr. Brumback was the attorney for Bradshaw Development Incorporated, uh, known as Anytime Fitness. Uh, they operate gyms in the Yakima area. Now, Mr. Brumback, one of the things it seems, I don't know if necessarily it is as specific to your particular case as with other businesses that are thinking about fighting this, the key card, because it's it's obviously it's a 24-hour gym, so as a member you get a key card, you can go in at any time you want to use it. Did that aspect of the business uh, and the fact that it's a member-only entrance, did that have any weight in being able to fight this, whereas, say, restaurants or other businesses that may just be generally open to the public um, – could be more challenged, or was it more along the lines of how L&I operated in this particular instance that made this case and, and, and pointed the judge in the decision that he made? 
Yeah, I think it's important to remember the government does not like to be embarrassed. So they're very creative in how they're going to they're also developing their tactics on how they're going to enforce the governor's orders. And so this gym did have a key card system, and that is uh, one component of it. Another component is if there are no employees, LNI really doesn't have any jurisdiction. Their focus is the employer-employee relationship and if there's a workplace hazard. If there's not that consideration, LNI is not a factor. That's why you're seeing with restaurants and and, uh, bars and so forth, uh, that the Liquor Control Board is really the enforcement agency, which is a whole different um, consideration because really is Liquor Control Board out there to uh, enforce, uh, you know, a virus safety um, sort of uh, issues in a, in, a, in a workplace? I mean, that's really a stretch. And, and so, you know, some really committed smart, um, hardworking attorneys need to need to approach it from that perspective, in my opinion. I have one case that I'm, I'm working on that with, that's, uh, with the Liquor Control Board. And, you know, the fact that somebody is selling, you know, a beer, um, how, do, how is that an unsafe uh, or dangerous uh, situation? I mean, it's a very big stretch of the imagination to, to try to tie those two together. L&I is actually the probably the best vehicle for them to do that. But remember, the the the, uh, the health departments in each of our counties are really what I think the governor, governor intended as the primary lead, and they, they would rely on local law enforcement and the prosecutors to, uh, you know, enforce these things. And as we know, that's not happening. So they've had to figure out a way around. It appears to me, I'm just speculating, but um, you know the discussions in the attorney general's office are probably how do we get this done? We're not, we've got these, you know, like in Yakima County, the, the sheriff's not going to go around enforcing the governor's order and, and, and criminally charging citizens who aren't social distancing or wearing their masks. That's just not happening. So they have to, and I I use the term weaponize uh, these agencies, and that's I think what we're seeing, and that's the reason that a lot of the folks that work in these agencies. Don't like what's happening because they're—that's not really their job. They're being used, uh, maybe for political reasons. I don't know, um, but they—they're very uncomfortable with this. I think um, that's why my interactions with uh, any of the folks that are working for agencies is, you know, to be friendly and kind because they're citizens too. They, you know, they're caught in this rock and the hard place. Do they want to lose their job, or they, you know, do they want to do what they're told to do, you know, and uh, you know, enforce these things. And so it's not very popular, um, even within the agencies, I think. Um, uh, you know, the testimony we took in our trial uh, involved the, uh, uh, the director of Department of, uh, the, or the Division of uh, Safety and Health, like the number two person in the Department of L&I, and so is it. And she was straightforward. She didn't have any uh, agenda that I could detect at all. She was very straight with her answers. And uh, she wrote some of the directives and policies that uh, the the inspectors use. And one of them is that their job is not to enforce the governor's order, order generally, you know. Um, so, but that was what the, the the attorney general's office was arguing essentially in the case. So there was a disjunct between their even their own witness and what was being argued to the judge. And so we had a an honest, intelligent judge and saw through it. And 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 they just they failed at step one. Mr. Brumbeck, thanks for your time today. One final question for you before we let you go. We know that you and also Mr. Bradshaw have both said that, you know, while we had a victory here and we were successful in our challenge, 
our victory isn't necessarily indicative of what could happen with everyone. That they don't, you know, this could be, there could be things in here that might work for other businesses, but there are things that were specific to what worked for us. If there is a business out there that is listening, a business owner listening, what would be the best piece of advice you could give them if they are thinking about either opening or challenging something that they've received from either L&I or the LCB? Well, I know a lot of these businesses are desperate. I mean, they're, this is long in the tooth, and people are on their last leg financially. Um, but, you know, I know people don't like to engage in turdies and they're expensive and all that, but doing it on your own is probably the worst mistake you can make. You need to find somebody who's uh, an attorney that's willing to work with you. And then, you know, local businesses can share the cost of that. There's no reason that 10 or 20 businesses can't get together, hire an attorney, and get in advice. They should be similarly situated, like if they're a bar or a restaurant versus a gym or some other type of business. They they should have like, you know, uh, business businesses so that they can use the the advice of the attorney if, you know efficiently do you expect That's what i would recommend do you expect an appeal uh you know <laughs> not on this one i it, it's so weak what they had in terms of evidence um i would be shocked i don't think it would be a smart move for them i would welcome it because then that brings it to a higher level of visibility and we can show what they were doing including going into a business without permission. It just shows the lengths that they're willing to go to make their point. And, and uh, uh, I think it would be embarrassing for them to do it, but they may. Um, there are other, you know, hills for them to fight on, not this one. I wouldn't uh, think that they would. Scott Brumbeck, Scott Brumbeck with Brumbeck and Autumn in Union Gap. Mr. Brumbeck, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate you joining us. Congratulations sure, on uh, your victory in court, and uh, best of luck to you in any future cases. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Scott Brumbeck with Brumbeck and Autumn in Union Gap. The attorney for Bradshaw Development Incorporated, Anytime Fitness. $40,000 roughly in fines vacated this week by a judge's decision based on what we've talked about a few times at application, application, uneven application, and the the links that they went to to try and get this business. More of the bottom line after this. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of the bottom line presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, Wednesday afternoon. Robin Ed hanging with you. Um, nice to talk with Scott Brumbeck, uh, the attorney for Bradshaw Developments Anytime Fitness, about how they were able to uh, successfully appeal the fines laid down by the governor. Uh, I'm sure there are attorneys out there that are looking for ways as well uh, to help local businesses. Along that same line, uh, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, but uh, late yesterday, on its Facebook page, the Benton County Sheriff's Office had a letter up there, in a nutshell, saying they weren't going to enforce any of the COVID restrictions on businesses laid out by the governor. Well, laid them out, but yesterday extended them for a few more weeks. Right, and and you know, 
But that doesn't mean people won't try to turn businesses in Absolutely. to the state. And Just the sheriff's office isn't go- in Benton County isn't going to do anything about it. And, you know, we're seeing posts from people that have been seen doing that and so on and so forth. And, you know, you, you everybody, every decision you make, you make a bed that you eventually lay in, regardless of what that decision is. But mm-hmm. we've got a lot more to discuss coming up, including more states joining on with Texas. We're going to talk with Representative Brad Clibbert about the bill he has pre-filed regarding impacts of emergency powers on agencies in the state, specifically the Department of Health. So looking forward to that. we got a lot to go on the bottom line, so do not touch that dial. The Bottom Line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. The phone number is 547-1610. If you would like to get involved, Jason Hogue with American Family Insurance. Waiting to hear from you to talk about, well, your current insurance policies. What you have. Are you happy with it? Are you getting what you're paying for? American Family Insurance may be able to make your situation better just by reaching out to Jason via his website, jasonhogue.com. Whether it's auto insurance, life insurance, homeowners, farm, or small business, Jason Hogan, American Family Insurance, could wind up making your insurance situation a heck of a lot better than it currently is. Reach out to Jason through his website, jasonhogue.com. 547-1610, the number if you want to get involved. You can also hit us up via email. Um, The number has ballooned, Ed. The number has ballooned. COVID cases? No. No, that that number, look, that number. (laughs) <laughs> but science anyway science we, we should just yeah like, we should just clip thomas dolby yeah and just keep every time covid we just play that little sound bite from the from yeah. the video science i think that'd be great um no the numbers that's ballooning is the number of states joining texas's lawsuit oh yeah that's right we we first talked about this yesterday that the state of texas was suing a few other democratically controlled states over the presidential election results that we did that we did so and now how many are how many have joined on 17 states total have joined with texas 17 17 yes hmm. 17 states that's a lot that's it that's that's that is an interesting number. We'll give you the we'll give you the states after we go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio six ten K O N A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Rick calling from Prosser. What's up, Rick? Well, I just got to thinking, and I I was listening to the news at the bottom of the hour, and it seems as though we can have this video conferencing with all of the uh, state legislatures and all the people that uh, we elected, why won't the governor uh, just call a special session and uh, clear the air? And, I mean, it's this is not the Third Reich, and we live in a democracy, not in a uh, communist nation. And uh, I just would like to know the answer. Well, Rick... We can boil it down relatively simply. Um, by the way, constitutional republic. Constitutional republic, yeah. not democracy. Constitutional yeah. republic. Um, the reason why the governor does not call a special session is because if the governor calls a special session, the legislature 
has free reign. They can do whatever they want. So he may call the special session for them to help him deal with the pandemic and allocate state funding and stuff like that. But they could turn around and go, hey, hey, governor, while we're here, we're going to do something about those emergency powers of yours. And we're going to pass it now. And you may not sign it, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to have enough votes that will have a veto-proof majority. So you can, you know, we, we can deal with this now. We can deal with this later. He wants to deal with it later. Because there's no question that if a special session is called, that is something that would be on the agenda of many in the legislature to deal with. So he doesn't call it, doesn't have to worry about it until they come into session in about a month from now. I think there might be even a simpler explanation than that. Um, he he went through, um, albeit a, a, a belated one, but a little bit of a midlife crisis. He, he ran for president, failed miserably. But this is his uh, this is his second, you know, place trophy, if you will. He gets to run the state. And he's fine with that. He thinks he's doing a really good job of it. And so do a lot of people, mostly on the west side of the mountains, that he doesn't need, he believes, the legislature to get involved. Why why burden them, especially during a pandemic, when I've got the answers? I've got science. I've got uh, people around me to help guide my decisions. I'm reaching out. I'm getting input from people. I'm making these tough decisions, uh, you know, to to flatten the curve and and uh, and and meet the meet the COVID virus head on. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. I mean, he he thinks he is doing a great job. Why involve the the legislature? They just really kind of get in the way anyway. You know, it's 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 funny because instead of the governor dealing with the special session or doing more than looking for change in the couch, he's going to go on with Wolf Blitzer on CNN shortly. Oh, so he has so, time for so, that, so that he can have a special session that way. Because after all, if you you've got a state that's in that's having the the crisis. Uh, remember, yesterday we gave you the number. It was like fifteen thousand six hundred and some restaurants that were oh, or eateries in Washington State. Right. You can subtract about twenty two hundred and thirty five from that number, because those are the ones that aren't reopening throughout the state because yeah. of the governor. Right. But he's got time to go on and schmooze with Wolf Blitzer because CNN is a wonderful uh, place for him because they won't ask him any tough questions either, kind of like the reporter pool in Seattle. Um, they won't ask him any tough questions either. So he's 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 just, just on a I-don't-have-to-answer-anything run right now. He'll just keep extending proclamations and wagging fingers and telling you, uh, I really don't care about your business and I really don't care about your – a mental state, and I really don't care about your physical state because you're going to do what I tell you to do. There will be compliance. Yes, that, that, that is it, what he that's said. That's the word. That's the word he keeps using. Compliance. That's there right. will be compliance. So, the governor, the governor is the one who is waging war on small businesses and individuals in the state to push his agenda. Um, and the, it's, it's it's and as soon as Congress does more, he can do more. Exactly, because he's waiting for the federal government to bail him out. Yeah, because he's a leader, right? You know, 
he's Trump leader. Like yes, he's, he's dear leader. But he's <laughs> dear leader. It's the only leader that he is, dear leader. Dear leader. Uh, so we mentioned 17 states have joined up with Texas. Yes, uh, 17. Overall, the total, 17. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, and their brand-new Republican attorney general. Yes. Uh, by the way, first time, I think, ever, every executive position in Montana is held by a Republican. Yes. Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma on board, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia have all joined Texas's lawsuit. Well, a couple of Western states, Montana uh, and Utah. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to get any West, you know, any, no. any West, West, because they're no. all... You know, well, that's but, interesting. But so, you, you so they all the filed. They all filed amicus briefs, mm-hmm. which is basically um, saying, in in legalese, yeah, what they said. Right. Exactly. Now, interesting. Some states that that are not involved in this, um, Ohio, not involved in this, Alaska's not involved in this, as of yet. Uh, a couple of other southern states haven't jumped on board with this yet, and a couple others in the Midwest aren't there. Uh, but 17 is is an interesting number. Now, last night, the Supreme Court placed it on the docket. Yes. Not a, not a date or a time yet. I think, no. well, I thought I heard rumblings um, that it was it might be as early as next week. But I don't know. I didn't see anything confirming that. I, I, well, I know, obviously, given the timeline that we're under... And again, the the only real date that people need to worry about is January 20th. That's Inauguration Day. Correct. All the other ones, um, if the the U.S. Supreme Court is going to get involved and do anything um, or undo anything, so long as it takes place, you know, by the 20th, then all the other deadlines that you keep hearing about really are null and void. I mean, you know, meeting with the electoral college in each state and blah, 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 going through that. Um, and, and, and the U.S. Supreme Court basically said, yes, we, we received it. We, uh, we will consider it. But it, I would imagine, given the nature of it, they will fast track it, which means... You know, later this month, possibly early, early January uh, to to render a decision. Yeah, I mean, the decision would obviously have to come before. And I think the Supreme Court is very cognizant of that. The decision would have to come with some time before January 20th um, to make sure that there is no gap in whether there will or will not be a transition. Um but this, this, oh boy, you know, you notice that, that cities around the country are quiet for the most part. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I've, I've been taken aback by the amount of Trump supporters and Republicans that have been out there burning down small businesses and, um, Oh yeah, looting targets and breaking things, and and so it's just it's really been disappointing to see all of. The, oh wait, I'm sorry, no, that's a different group of people. Um, 
if the Supreme Court, because this 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 could go down as the most significant case in the history of the Supreme Court, it could very well. I mean, you, you they they've had some land, well. they've had some landmark cases, some landmark cases at the Supreme Court. If but, they if they reverse if they reverse or or even tinker with what is the I don't even want to say accepted version of the of the presidential results, but what seems to be on the surface a Joe Biden victory. If they tinker with that in any way, man, that that's got to that's got to be up there as far as major cases. Right? Oh, this would be this would be the most impactful decision ever made because they would have changed the course of an election. Um, now, there are those that are wondering why would they get involved? This is the, you know, election laws is state uh, elections are handled by states and so on and so forth. The crux of this, and if you if you read the filing and you read the argument by Texas, it is that the decisions made by the executive branches in these states circumvented their state constitutions to have an impact on a federal election. Yes. So while some are going, well, this is a state's rights issue, it's a state's rights issue if it impacts a state election. Right. But you're talking about legislatures not being involved in the changing of state constitutions that impacted the results of a federal election. And so the the Tenth Amendment's out the window on this. And Ken Paxton is arguing it's the impact of the Fourteenth Amendment. It's, it's a violation of the Fourteenth Amendment with what's happened here. And so it is an intriguing argument. Yes. And it will be, and I, I hope this is on TV somewhere. I never thought I'd say this. Yeah. But I want to watch this with popcorn as, <laughs> as, as this thing is being discussed by the attorneys on both sides. I want to hear Texas's argument, and I want to hear the arguments proposed by Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia in defending themselves because we we are supposed to believe in the rule of law. And if you've got executive branches that are circumventing the rule of law, that leads to a change in a federal election, I mean, this this is potentially, this could be the biggest case in the United States history, arguably. Well, in a nutshell, let's think about it this way. Texas just said, we did things the correct way. Y'all didn't. And you messed up our election. And let me clarify this. Regardless of the decision the Supreme Court makes, it could be the biggest decision that they ever make. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. 
Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Thanks to Perfection Tire, four locations here in the Tri Cities. Been serving this community for almost 60 years now, and they do a lot more than tires. They do brakes, shocks, struts, tune ups. But you can find out all the services they provide by visiting their website, perfectiontire.com. And once you walk in the door, you will be welcomed in as a member of the family because they treat every customer like family. Impeccable service, impeccable products. Perfection Tire, four locations in the Tri-Cities to serve you. We got an email from Bob in Kennewick. said, why can't the legislature or members of the legislature just meet in Olympia and raise the emergency powers of Dear Leader? Because they need two-thirds to do that, Bob. Uh, they, they, they need a an overwhelming majority to call that special session, and there is not the numbers there right now. Every Republican wants to do it, uh, but there aren't enough Democrats to meet the number that it would take to bring the, the legislature back for a special session. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610K. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, Sparky Imatilla. What's up, Sparky? Yeah, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm just about ready to start learning how to do a backflip. Why? Well, 17 states, they've got to look at this thing. And I really do hope it goes. You know, Trump has made made politics pretty interesting, hasn't he? I hope it does go to the the Congress, or I guess it's the House, right? And maybe you can let me know. I'll turn the radio back on. Has this ever happened before where we may be heading? I'll let you go, guys. Thanks. All right, Sparky. Thanks. And be careful trying to do that backflip. You don't want to hurt yourself. No. Uh, You don't want to wind up in the hospital and get COVID. (laughs) Be called a COVID case because you did a backflip and got hurt. Yeah. We have never had the legislature determine the president before. It is one of the provisions that exists when thresholds are not met. It was and, a safeguard put in right. by the Founding Fathers. And, and the Founding Fathers, which were brilliant, yes. by the way, absolutely brilliant individuals. And all these years later, their brilliance is only even more astounding um, as scenarios that have come up 200 and almost 50 years later the scenarios that come up that they planned for in the 1700s. They, well, this could happen. Well, this is how it's going to work out if it does. I mean, nobody knew. I mean, but yeah. you get down to see it's a lot better than sitting there going, oh, what do we do? Um, what does happen in that case, and, and we've we've explained it before, we'll explain it again, Sparky, is that it goes to Congress, but it does not go to a vote of the full Congress. In other words, it is not one vote per Congress person to decide who becomes the next president. It's one vote per state delegation. So there will be 50 votes overall. And the state delegations vote to determine who the president would be in that case because 270 electoral votes will not be reached. The majority of the delegations as a result of this previous election are Republican. And Congress is always sat before the presidential inauguration to make sure the country continues to move forward. So Congress will be sworn in before January 20th. And the reason why 270 electoral votes would not be reached is because this lawsuit put on by Texas and 17 other states are uh, are piggybacking it, saying we're good with this aims to throw out the election results of those, what, five states where 
there have been, shall we say, interesting goings on. Pennsylvania, Georgia, some of the others. Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, So neither Biden or Trump would have 270. Then that's what triggers this uh, vote by the state congressional uh, delegations. So it's, again, fascinating. You know, it's it's scary. It's maddening. It's it's frustrating. But it's also quite fascinating and historic, uh, a historic time that we live in. Like you said, Rob, whichever way this goes, it's it's incredible. Back with hour number two after this. 